welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Monsters. I'm Mike. I'm Allison. And today we want to talk about The Mummy. Now, this is the original Mummy with Boris Karloff, 1932, directed by Carl Freund. And even though there's a lot of Mummy movies, this Mummy movie is really just a standalone movie. We mentioned this in one of our earlier episodes on chronology and continuity. And we said that we mentioned that there's a difference between this mummy movie, which the mummy's name is Imhotep, by the way. Ardith Bay is his name once he's back to being in modern times, I guess, right? Isn't that how yeah, it works? Yeah, but it's like his alias so yeah. that he can blend in with humans. Right. So he's Imhotep in ancient times. And then when he's resurrected, he takes the name Ardith Bay. And so nobody it, suspects him. Right. And he's played <laughs> by Boris Karloff. And the other mummy movies the mummy's name is Karis. Most people separate these two mummies and they don't consider the Ardith Bay character to have anything to do with Karis. One of the main distinctions here is that, and to my huge disappointment when I was a kid, because <laughs> I was really excited to see the mummy finally when I was about seven or eight years old. And I had seen pictures in my Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, and I thought, oh boy, this is this is Boris Karloff, the mummy. This is going to be great. And he really is only the mummy for the first, what would you say? Like five minutes or something five like that. Five minutes of the movie, yeah. <laughs> and, and the ironic thing is, like, you never see him in full mummy form because you see his whole body, but he's, like, dead at that point. Like, he's just still in the sarcophagus. And then when you see him move... You just see the bandages, like, dragging across the floor because they're still kind of keeping him, like, in secret. And then when you see him after that, he's in his human form. So you never have that full mummy thing where he's, like, in the bandages hobbling around, you know, right. like, attacking he never, people. He never even attacks anyone. He, he scares one guy to the point to where the guy goes insane. <laughs> well, basically what happened is there's this expedition, and they're in the Valley of the Kings, and they find this mummy, and it turns out to be a, a, a mummy whose body has been cursed, basically. he's uh, There's something wrong here. Most mummies are buried with all of their worldly possessions. There's lots of hieroglyphs. There's, there's lots of poetry on the walls to help send this person into the afterlife and this guy has none of it he's yeah they, they're like oh it's been like scraped off yeah everything has been scraped off his sarcophagus he is for all intents and purposes he was buried and forgotten uh but he is buried with a sacred scroll and so the sacred scroll is taken out and they start translating it deciphering it and unknowingly unwittingly by reading it aloud it has the power to resurrect the mummy and bring the mummy back to life. Well, because it's, it's not totally unknown because it says right on it. I think it says on the box yes. and it says right on the lid, I think, or something like, woe be to anyone that opens this or something. And then <laughs> the guy you're talking about, the young guy, as soon as his like mentor goes out, he's just like, oh, whatever, I'll just read it anyway. Right. And then he reads like the like spell and he's just like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then mummy gets up. And then, right. yeah, he starts doing that crazy laugh. So they have the mummy in <laughs> this room and with the, with the box that you're talking about and then the scroll. And then the guy reads it and the mummy is resurrected. And then that's when you see Boris Karloff starts to move. And like Allison said, you see his head move. You see his eyes open. You see his hand, like, but you see him all in separate shots. Yeah, it's like really mysterious. And he takes the scroll with him as he departs. And the next time you see the mummy, he's not wrapped up anymore. He's just 
like an Egyptian guy and he looks very old. He's very wrinkly and stuff. But aside from that, you know, he just looks like a regular person. Yeah. And that's the mummy. I mean, that's, you know, that's the monster in that movie. Um, he is a monster because he is pretty evil. And he's, he's actually one of the most evil monsters of all of them. I mean, this guy is really bad news. He he kills a lot of people in this movie, and he doesn't feel bad about it. He It's not like you can sympathize with him or anything. I mean, you really grow to dislike him. I mean, he really is not just a monster, but he's a villain. But this is when he's in his human form as Ardith Bay. Like I said earlier, when he's the wrapped mummy, like when you see images of Boris Karloff as the mummy, he's in that form for such a short amount of time in the movie that he doesn't really do anything other than he just scares this one guy and the guy goes crazy. And then you find out later on that he was like put in an insane asylum. Yeah, forever. And, and then I he said. just died there or something like that. <laughs> I know, it's messed so, up. It's a pretty brutal <laughs> film. Um, this film was directed by, um, I think I said earlier, Carl Freund. Carl Freund, he was really best known as a cinematographer. Uh, he worked on Metropolis. Uh, he worked on a lot of the German Expressionist films. And he also was the cinematographer in the original Dracula that was directed by Todd Browning. So all of those sweeping crane shots, especially in Dracula's castle in the beginning, when Dracula says, I bid you welcome, <laughs> um, that's, what, that's Carl Freund there on a, on a really big soundstage. And of course, this is you know, one of the early talkies too. So uh, this was, I'm pretty sure this is Carl Freund's first gig as a director. And he doesn't disappoint. I mean, this movie, this is actually, I have to say, I think it's one of the best universal monster films. Um, now, The Mummy isn't my favorite monster, but this movie really holds up. This yeah, is, it's this, a good story. This is a really good story. Art of the Bay is convinced that this woman that he meets, who's half British and half Egyptian, is the reincarnation of the girl he was in love with back 2,000 years ago. Yeah, and she's the reason he got punished. And what was her name again? Oh, Oxenaman. Yeah, Oxenaman. So and she she doesn't have a different name. Oh, she does. She's yeah. like Helen or something. Because it's a reincarnation of her. Yeah. But she's supposed to be like this princess back 2,000 years ago. And, of course, that's when Art of the Bay was Imhotep. And so they have these flashback scenes. It turns out that she really is reincarnation of this princess. Yeah, because she starts tapping into her, like, past life memories, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's a really good movie. And it's not like a lot of these universal films where... They do a lot of stuff off camera, or it's just in the dialogue, and if you're not paying attention, you miss it. And this movie really goes out of its way to like really fill in all the gaps, you know, to make sure that it's a complete story uh, and you get the full effect of it, you know. So in the flashback scenes, it's really clear as to what happened. Uh, Aksunamun got sick and she died very young age, and they were supposed to be married. I'm pretty sure they were engaged. And Imhotep was a physician or a magician or something like that, <laughs> a physician slash magician. And there's this sacred scroll that you're not supposed to use, but it's a scroll where you can bring people back from the dead. And so he can't bear living without her. And so even though the Pharaoh says, you know, if you do this, the penalty is death and, you know, you're buried alive and uh, blah, 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 blah. And so he just goes ahead and he does it. And of course he gets caught and his penalty is... Now, does his tongue get cut out? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they cut his tongue out. They said yeah. that. But then when he comes back, obviously, he, he has talk. a new tongue. Yeah, that, that <laughs> part is a little, huh? Well, but, I don't know. He gets rejuvenated, yeah. so maybe it's just, 
you know, he, he grows back. Yeah, and all they that. cut his tongue out <laughs> and then they wrap him and they bury him alive. Yeah. And here's what's really crazy. Some every once in a blue moon, I think Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is another one of these films. The uh, I think 32, 1932 was the cutoff for the censors. I think everything after 32, uh, the censors really started to step in and really started to carve up movies. But uh, some of the earlier, certainly the silent films, and then also some of the movies in the early 30s, were able to get away with some pretty explicit scenes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the scenes in this, I remember seeing this as a kid and was, was really shocked. I, I wasn't used to seeing this stuff on TV, you know. So what it was was that these, these soldiers, they take the sarcophagus with Boris Karloff inside, or Imhotep, <laughs> and they go to bury him somewhere, and no one's supposed to know where it is. So the soldiers, I guess they're slaves or whatever, they take the sarcophagus out and they bury it, and then they're murdered by yeah, the guards. By, with spears. With spears. <laughs> and you actually, when they throw the spears, you actually see the spear go through the guy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty you, good, like, effects. It's like, holy, like, 1932 <laughs> graphic, gory special effects. You see the spear come out like I think he gets stabbed in the back yeah you just see him with the spear like all the way through his body yeah and it's like yeah for the times I'm sure people were like oh my god yeah you know? and like <laughs> then there's blood it's like it's it's not like one of those fake things you know you're used to seeing in the old-timey movies so they even went that far with it but yeah so Ardeth Bay winds up hanging out with this woman I, Helen I think is her name and and they become friends and he starts hypnotizing her and he eventually shows her who she was in the past life, and it's really cool. But the problem is he wants her to live forever because now he's immortal. He's, the only thing that's keeping him alive is this scroll, you know? And if he lets her, you know, he's happy that he found her, but if he does nothing, she will grow old and die, right? Yeah. He doesn't want that. So he has to murder her ritually. And then do the, like, the magic spell on her to make her come back. Right. That's and what he's banking on. Right. I so don't, he, even though I don't know if he's ever done that before, I don't <laughs> I mean, think so. It would really suck if he did and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, I mean, seriously, like, so he, the whole point of the movie is that he has to eventually get her to agree to be killed. And, and believe it or not, she agrees. Yeah, she, it's kind of <laughs> like she has, like, two sides. Like, one side is into it. And then her, her, like, modern side is not. Right. But in the last minute, she changes her mind, and, and then things go go bad for Ardeth Bay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love this ending. This ending is so, like, sideways, but, like, in a good way. Yeah. But before we get to the ending, I wanted to mention also a couple things. It sets The Mummy apart from the other two blockbuster films of that time, which were Dracula and then Frankenstein. You know, of course, we know the story that Bela Lugosi turned down the role of Frankenstein. He was offered to play the monster and he turned it down because the monster had no lines in the movie. So they got Boris Karloff and that's, Boris Karloff had made movies before. He had made silent films and stuff. He was a character actor. Yeah, didn't they Didn't they see him on the set of some like mafia movie or something like that? Yeah, so, yeah it was James Whale saw him and thought, he'd be perfect you know because of his jawline or something and he just said oh I want that guy to play the monster so of course this catapulted Boris Karloff's career and now he was the monster guy he is essentially replaced Lon Chaney Sr. who had been the was a man of a thousand faces yeah. and what year did he die again uh London After Midnight is 1927 uh Phantom of the Opera is 25 uh Hunchback of Notre Dame is 23 
three. But he does die in the late 20s um, or maybe maybe early 30s, maybe 1930 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were looking, uh, Universal was, was scrambling to find the next monster guy and they thought they found it in Bella. And then when Bella turned down the role of Frankenstein, they, they found it in Boris Karloff. So Boris Karloff now is getting all the choice monster roles and of course he got this mummy movie and he's great in it, by the way. It is Boris Karloff, just he's... He's just spectacular in this movie. But unlike Dracula and Frankenstein, uh, which were based on books, on famous novels, I think I said this in a previous episode, Carl Lemley bought the rights to a lot of these old monster novels uh, in order to turn them into films. Um, He got The Invisible Man, he got Dracula, he got Frankenstein, so on and so forth. Uh, The Wolfman did not have, was not based on a book, and neither is The Mummy. The Mummy is not based on a book. What they did was, when I say it's not based on a book, it's not based on a book called The Mummy. It is based on a book called Cagliostro. Oh, Cagliostro, okay. And Cagliostro <laughs> was a book that was written around that time. And it's fiction, but it, Cagliostro was a real person who has this long history of being a very mysterious man. And some people claim that he was had really been alive for you know, many, many hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. And in this book, this uh, fictional representation of, of Cagliostro, uh, he's supposed to be uh, supposed to have been alive for 3,000 years. And most of it takes place in San Francisco. Oh, um, local. <laughs> yeah, in, in the early uh, 1900s, I want to say. Wait, say. so you're saying Cagliostro was like a real person, like a celebrity? Cagliostro was a real person, yeah. And they just wrote they just wrote sure. a novel about him? No, many stories have been written about him. Oh, many. <laughs> That's I mean, funny. Yeah, yeah, because he was such a famous, he was kind of a celebrity of his time. Like, what would that be the equivalent of now? <sighs> I'm not sure. He was involved in alchemy and, and probably witchcraft and stuff like that, but he was he was a celebrity and he did die like a, you know, a normal, he did live a normal life. He wasn't, as far as we know, he wasn't thousands of years old when he died. But, <laughs> this is what he wants you to think. <laughs> but yeah, this myth, this legend sort of grew from just because of the kind of person he was. I would say, I would say a better equivalent would be like Aleister Crowley, mm, you know, okay. something like that. So if somebody yeah. wrote a novel, well, I'm sure there are novels about Aleister Crowley yeah. doing like actual magic and stuff. Right. I mean, it, like, I think of someone from my generation who's steeped in mystery and, and you know, performed witchcraft and spells and stuff like that. I, th- I think of him. And of course, he was involved with the elites. Mm-hmm. He did, you know, he did roam <laughs> around in those circles. He was involved with high-ranking political figures and stuff like that. So um, so it is kind of, you know, yeah, you Kind of like Rasputin, maybe. Or yeah, Rasputin like would be another example, I think. <laughs> but with this guy, it was just, you know, people kind of ran with this idea that, oh, you know, he actually was alive for hundreds. He found the Fountain of Youth, or he was... Uh, there, there's a really famous um, Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> yeah, um, that we enjoy. <laughs> yeah, what's the name of that one? Do you um, remember the name of it? His name is Walter Jameson. Yeah. Well, that's the name of the episode? Yeah, it's called, like, The Life of Walter Jameson or something like that. Right, and that's based on Cagliostro, too. And <laughs> this guy, he's a history teacher, and in the Twilight Zone episode, he's talking about the Civil War, and his students love him because when he talks about the Civil War, it's as if he was there, and of course he was there <laughs> and uh, and now he's engaged to this young woman but the young woman's dad is not happy because 
the young woman's dad remembers that when he came to the university or the college, is it a university or college? But when he came there and started teaching, there wasn't that much difference in their age. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think the, the father was maybe like 15 years older than him. Yeah. At that point. Uh, and he says in the episode, he says something like, you know, I was... I was a relatively young man at the time. You know, he was like in his late 50s or something. Yeah, because he notices Walter never ages, yeah, obviously. Yeah, and, and Walter was probably <laughs> supposed to be about 43, and then the father was supposed to be about 58. And now it's 20 years later, and Walter looks like 43, and, and this guy is 78 now, and he's put it together, and he's like, you know, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> like, I don't want you going around my daughter, and I don't and want plus, you marrying my daughter. He finds his obvious picture in the history book that's like clearly him. Oh, and like a Union soldiery well, outfit. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because that's a really famous picture uh, from the Civil War. I think it's with uh, Lincoln and McClellan. And they just insert the, the actor, you know, the guy that plays Walter yeah, Johnson. Yeah, like Forrest they, Gump or they, something. Yeah, just, and the special effects are actually pretty good for the time because yeah. it, it does, you know, it doesn't look out of place. But, but yeah, they sort of, when he looks closely with the magnifying glass, it's like, oh, wow, he's like... Like kneeling down right next to Lincoln and McClellan or something like yeah. that. But, um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those Brady uh, uh, um, <laughs> photographs, you know, the, the guy who took all the Civil War hmm. pictures. But anyway, um, so it's a really good episode. And once again, it's based on this this Cagliostro character, which is what that's really the foundation, we could say the template to the original mummy is Cagliostro. Uh, I guess what they took from it was this idea that someone could live for two or 3,000 years and what would they do? What would they want, you know? So um, ultimately, the young woman decides that she doesn't want to be murdered by Ardith Bay and turned into uh, an immortal mummy like he is. Yeah. The ending is really cool because I totally forgot about it. And then when I saw it recently, I mean, recently isn't like a couple years ago. But yeah, basically, it's like they're doing this ritual because the whole entire movie, like uh, Imhotep has like this like secret lair where he has like this big like vat of like herbs or like an herb bath or something and he, that he uses to do his magic. And then they're like in the lair and he has like this like sacrificial knife and is literally like about to like stab her. And then the whole time, like her fiance and her fiance's like friend or something, they realize what's going on. So they're like running to save her. Like you would think they just rescue her, right? But it has like this twist, not twist, but like just an unexpected ending kind of where it's like in the lair, there's this big statue of like an, some kind of Egyptian god. And then our uh, Imhotep gets distracted and she gets up off the table and she starts like praying to uh, the statue. And then the statue like moves by itself. And then there's like a flash and then the fiance opens the door and the Motep has like been disintegrated like by a laser, like by the statue or something. Yeah. Well, the only thing is it's not a lair. It's, it's, it's in is the- Is it in the museum? It's in the museum. Okay, it's, it's, it's like it's, a back room or something. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's it's like right out in the middle. Like he come, he's, you know, he doesn't care. Like he- Well, where's his lair where he's the, has the magic bath and stuff? That's a different, yeah, that's a different area. I'm pretty sure that's- a different like where he lives or something or where he's staying but um but no that the final scene takes place in the museum and it's a display you know oh, okay. and, and it's um they're in the the egyptian um yeah display. exactly yeah yeah they're in the egyptian <laughs> wing or yeah. what would you say like the, yeah, Egy the egyptian exhibit yeah you know? yeah the ancient egypt exhibit yeah it's a three thousand year old statue yeah. it's the same one that like <laughs> like busted him the first time and th that's what's so cool about the ending of this movie is that 
you can kind of tell that these guys are not going to be able to save her. Well, first of all, she doesn't want to be saved. And then second of all, they're just lagging behind. I mean, they've, they have fallen not just one step behind where they can, usually in these movies, they can do the Rocky and Bullwinkle thing, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, they're like, oh, they're like a block away. And then the next scene, it's like, they're right there and they're just in the nick of time to save. These guys are purposely like two steps behind and it, it's not looking good for her. And she decides, no, she changes her mind. And isn't she like, it's like her old self, like her, her old mummy self is there. Is she? Her I'm old pretty body? Sh- I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's a trope. Because they found her too in the expedition. So he somehow he's trying, he wants to murder her. And then somehow he's going to fuse the Helen of now. Because it's definitely her soul. Is It's the same soul. Yeah. He wants to put that soul back into his princess and then resurrect her mm. or something. It's not really clear. But she changes her mind and she uses her power as a princess to... Uh, save herself. So yeah. she saves herself. Yeah. Which is so from great. the gods. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, that's another it's cool, thing yeah. I, I love about this movie. She just says, oh, screw that. I can just, I have the power to do it myself. Yeah. You yeah. Know? You don't usually get that back then. Yeah. And so, yeah. So the mummy gets zapped and then he just turns to dust and you see him turn to dust, you know, pretty much right before our eyes. He just crumbles. And then when they open the door, she's sitting there going like, oh, Thanks, guys. You know, give me a ride home now or something. You know? uh, yeah, and they're just kind of like, oh, what's, what's going on? You know, yeah, like, what right. just happened? Yeah. Well, anyway, this is our talk on The Mummy, the Boris Karloff, the original Mummy. We are going to do another episode on the Karis movies, and there's more than one. I think there's four Karis movies, and um, we'll have that up pretty soon. Bye. <laughs> If you like this podcast, please subscribe, leave us five stars and a review. Thanks.